welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, I still have a head cold, and with me today as always are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 8, Episode 13, which is titled Damage is Done. The episode aired on January 31st, 2002. Lauren, what was going on that week 21 years ago? Well, first off, I want to talk about what's going on this week today. Uh, Daniel was nice enough to send us a second mic, which means Lizzie and I aren't crowding in the office anymore. We each yeah. have our own setups. Personal space is back, baby. And With hopefully that- better audio quality for y'all. I will be louder now. Sorry. Um, But the headlines for the week are Kmart files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection, making it the largest retailer in U.S. history to do so. This I remember. Oh, Kmart. I I feel like Kmart has been dead or at least dying my most of my like conscious life mm-hmm. and yet it still somehow manages to stick around at least Just, there's at least like a dozen i think locations there's one in there's one outside chicago yep yeah we we just had our very like um unique kmart in the twin cities area close right around the start of the pandemic uh it was located in the middle of a street um it was like there's this like big street that runs right through the center of minneapolis and they basically built the street around the Kmart. The Kmart was already there and it had like basically squatters rights. And so they just bisected this major thoroughfare by with a Kmart right in the center of it. And then the Kmart was killed by the beginning of the pandemic. And so they were finally able to tear it down and finish clearing out the road. Neat. Uh, Kmart was always, (laughs) sorry. Go ahead, Lizzie. I was going to say Kmart's a store where, do you ever just walk into a place and you just feel it and you just know every employee there is depressed? Oh, like that's how it the always one, seemed when the, we, whenever the, I was in the Kmart. The Kmart in my hometown, I feel like didn't change from like 1990 all the way up until whenever it closed, which yeah. is probably like 2010 or 11. And uh, yeah, I just feel like it was like walking back in time anytime you walked inside of there. And now it's an Amazon warehouse. So, oh, All right, continuing the bummer news, in his State of the Union address, U.S. President George W. Bush coined the term axis of evil in reference to the three countries that allegedly sponsor terrorism, Iraq, Iran, and North Korea. I heard this, you heard this all the time Mm -hmm. from then on. Mm -hmm. Every time you heard clips of Bush, it always involved the axis of evil. Yep. Black Hawk Down, a military drama starring Josh Hartnett, is your new number one movie. It begins just Other than all may- the military <laughs> shit. Mm-hmm. Other than perhaps maybe Gerard Butler, is there a guy in the last 25 years that we've jumped the gun on more as a movie star than Josh Hartnett? Like, where we've gone like, this guy is going to be an A-list movie star, and then like two months later we were like, who? That they guy? have like one good movie, and then they're they're just like... When they crop up, you're like, oh, hey, I'm glad. No, he's still acting. Cool. Uh, yeah, I could not tell you a single thing Josh Hartnett has been in since maybe like 2011. Like, I have not heard that name in years. I'm sure Lauren's furiously looking it up. Nope, nope. I'm looking up Gerard Butler, actually, for my own uh, randomness. <laughs> uh, but You Got It Bad by Usher takes over the top spot on the music charts. I could not stop listening to this as a child. It was so catchy. Like ten year old me fucking loved this song. <laughs> is this that the, somehow doesn't this surprise is, me? 
this is around the same time as when he does the yeah song right like this is yeah no that's still it's like a, maybe a it's still a couple few, years away because yeah, I, I, I distinctly remember that being an end of still a, a, formative childhood but a little yeah. bit right. further down yeah i'm sure we will talk about it as a number one song but. oh yeah yeah that was number one for a while uh what else was on at 8 p.m friends with the episode the one with the secret closet uh, at 8.30, uh, Friends rerun because 8.30 is the dead zone. Uh, 9 p.m., Will and Grace with the episode Dying is Easy, Comedy is Hard. That's dying like dying your hair. Uh, and at 9.30, Just Shoot Me with the episode Leota. Leota! Which I can only assume guest stars Ray Leota, uh, future ER guest star uh, and award winner uh, because he fucking knocks it out of the park in that episode my favorite episode of the entire fucking show uh this week's episode had 24.7 million viewers tuning in directed by nelson mccormick doing his first of six episodes uh other stuff that he has uh directed include the stepfather prom night and a couple episodes of the tv series prison break and written by d johnson doing her seventh out of 19 previous ones of hers from this season include i'll be home for christmas and never say never and no luca this week still off on his doctors without borders tip all right uh we come in with previously on by carter and we see lizzie clearly sick in bed mark brings in ella and some chamomile tea we hear that ella is already getting into everything before she can even walk and Mark calls in sick for Lizzie, even though she wants to drag ass into work because she's apparently just been in and out of the bathroom and is sweaty and disgusting and like clearly stomach flu. And Rachel offers to look after Ella until the sitter gets in. How cool. responsible of her. What could possibly go wrong? Not a single thing. Uh, let's go over to our first audio clip, though. In the ER, Carrie and Hale are doing a little walk and talk. Light, Gallstone and Four needs Toradol, and can you check the labs on Kathy Jensen? Upper G, I believe. Yeah. Is Dr. Chen in yet? No. Can you get the message he was looking for you? Oh, really? In just a swim cap. Yeah, in a Speedo. You've got to try. In January in Lake Michigan. It has an almost spiritual quality. You want to see me, Robert? Yes, just uh, discussing with Dr. Lewis what a tough year it's been, what with personnel changes and lawsuits and whatnot. Can you believe Dr. Romano is a member of the Polar Bear Club? Can you excuse us for a moment? No, 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 stay. I've come up with a solution to the administrative bottleneck you've been experiencing. What bottleneck? Well, to start with, your QAs are a month behind. Which you'll have by day's end. Oh, I'm sorry, does she really need to be here for this? Actually, I have a patient. Well, that was elegant. Look, you can't expect me to do low-priority administrative work while I'm clocking more clinical shifts than anybody in my department. You're overburdened. There's no question about it, which is why I've asked Dr. Lewis to pitch in. How? Covering meetings, uh, overseeing teaching in your absence. Which is what the chief resident does. Well, Carter's not attending, and Dr. Lewis is. Why are you doing this? I'm feeling unappreciated here, Carrie, particularly since I'm trying to lighten your load. No, you're not. You're jerking my chain. Why would I do that? Because you can, Robert. Yeah, well, for the time being, consider Dr. Lewis your unofficial assistant. No, I don't need any help. And um, try to keep the public displays of affection to a minimum. This is a workplace, not a parade. I have some messages for you, Thank Dr. Lewis. So, you're gay, huh? Yeah, Frank, I'm gay, all right? You know you're going to hell, right? <laughs> God damn it, Frank. <laughs> oh, that line is just, it's horrible, but it is also wonderful. It's just perfect in that moment. Pitch perfect, Frank. 
Also, uh, Daniel, how apt after we just discussed this on the lounge that uh, Susan and Romano are having a discussion mm-hmm. and like Susan's like, oh, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to. And I, I think I did grab the listener response uh, in question here. Um, I would like to thank whoever wrote that listener response because you have, as the kids say, altered my brain chemistry. Uh, that is like that is now all I want in the world is a Susan Romano detour. Certainly would prefer it to the uh, Susan Carter uh, fucking miasma that we're currently mired in. I, I mean, want, yeah. <laughs> I would much rather be uh, enjoying a deranged trip into Romano and Susan land. Uh, but yeah, just uh, now, now that I've had that suggested to me, it's all I can think about. Yep. Also, oh my God, Frank, just just oh my God. This is what we wanted. This is what we've been. This is what we've been clamoring for for 169 episodes, and now finally, finally, episode 170, we get it. Peak Frank. Peak Frank. Jerry will be back before you know it. Uh, we are then into the intro uh, with that lovely note from our boy with some more bangs. Real light on the twinkles so far. It's not season eight's not very you know twinkly. Like season very eight's very dramatic. Yeah, season eight's pretty bangy. Uh, we come out of the intro to uh, Susan and Carter talking about the drama with Carter's mom from the end of last episode. Uh, Carter with what I can't tell is a, a sincere uh, thought or not, where he says the, the worst part about the whole situation is that the bottle of wine she wasted was a 40-year-old bottle of Bordeaux that she had to throw up with her Xanax pills. I think it's a little of both. Yeah, it's a little bit of gallows humor, I think. Um Carrie drops off a huge pile of paperwork for Susan to uh, take care of. If uh, if Romano's going to appoint her as the assistant, then uh, Carrie's going to make sure that she gets her share of the scut work. Uh, Susan asks Mark if Lizzie is still sick, uh, and Mark reassures uh, Susan that Carrie is lucky to have her. Uh, we then see Chen showing back up and uh, officially starting back on service. Uh, Welcome Susan back since they haven't really had a chance to interact yet. Um Carrie says that she needs to train Chen on the new form codes, but Chen brushes her off. Uh, and Mark says that Chen owes him $20 for Cleo's going away present. Oh, yeah, that happened. Uh, both the going away present and the character. Uh, <laughs> Frank brings uh, Chen a box of stuff and is like, yeah, we lost uh, you lost your uh, locker. So you keep your stuff in here for the time being. And <laughs> I love the like she's like, what is all this like? dirt and shit and then he just reaches a finger in and licks it is like no it's chocolate sprinkles it's just sprinkles i want chocolate sprinkles uh we then uh go out to the ambulance bay where we're getting our first trauma of the episode uh young i guess youngish man and his daughter being brought in uh donald brower a 35 year old suffering from burns from some sort of an explosion uh his mail exploded he opened a letter bomb was Remember this, when this was a huge thing in the news? I was just going to say, like, this was time? this, this, we must be in the thick of the anthrax stuff mm-hmm. around yeah. this time, right? Like, that yeah. has to be, like, already in the news. I remember so, just, like, the joke that, you know, you always thought quicksand was going to be a bigger a deal as an adult. I always thought, like, uh, fucked up mail was going to yeah. be a bigger th- thing as I an always, adult. Yeah, I always thought anthrax would be a way bigger deal than it wound up being. Yeah. Well, and then they, I mean, because it was one of those things that kind of like the Tylenol uh, poisonings in the 80s, like it, it went unsolved for a long time. And then I think they just a few years ago, I think they came out and were like, yeah, we know who did it. And it was it was not really related to terrorism at all. Like it was basically just like a disgruntled 
research doctor or something like it, it was it was very weird like it was, and I, I could be completely getting the the facts wrong on that but i i feel like we did get some final resolution on that just a few years ago um but in any event uh mr brower here is also being brought in with his daughter jessica six years old uh and susan's gonna take her in so they're gonna get working on both of them and then carrie goes in to join mark working on donald and lauren uh whose fixer those almost snuck past us because the the film board lights are off so who's they're just are those <laughs> whose what's are those <laughs> who's <laughs> Patreon.com slash Nope, podcast. nope, it's sorry. dead. Nope, oh, nope, yeah, nope. Sorry, we don't bad. talk about that. My anymore. bad. Uh, no. Uh, whose films are those? Almost snuck by because the board lights are off in the background, so you just see the films in shadow. And it was just like, oh, oh, hey, you tried to sneak it by us, but you can't get one over on me. It's not going to happen. So, whose films are those? Uh, but... Carrie pushes Chen off of the patient, and apparently it's Jessica's birthday, so he let Jessica pull on the bow because it looked like a present. And he mentions his wife as likely as a likely person, a likely intended recipient yeah. of the package. He just says my wife, and I thought he was alluding to the fact that she might be guilty. I never thought no. of it as, oh, it might be her that it was for. Yeah, yeah. Th- and I think it's meant to be a little ambiguous because yeah. you can even see Mark trying to like clarify with him. He's like, what do you mean? And then he passes out. Yeah, yeah. and then there's something going on with the chest tube slash airway, and Mark tells Carrie to go help with Jessica because Carrie's like trying to micromanage. Not helpful she, to anyone. She's just trying to feel important. She's got a lot of shit going on as an administrator, and she wants to feel involved. Um, but then she goes over to Jessica, and her hand is blown to shit. Like, that's the clinical term, is her hand is blown to shit. Um, Her ring and little finger are missing, and Carrie asks Carter to, like, lower the pressure on on the blood pressure cuff so they can see the exact extent of the injury, and it's kind of acting as a tourniquet right now. He lowers it, and the minute he does, Susan's holding the arm, and it just gushes all over her, and it's definitely one that the props guys must have had fun with. Well, speaking of the props guys... Yeah, uh, I, I found it really odd. God damn it. I, I, I just found it really odd that they, because like there's dialogue referencing the fact that she just got splattered and she's like giving Carrie shit for giving the order to lower the cuff. You know, like she's like they're they're clearly talking about the fact that Susan just got sprayed. And yet the blood spatter on Susan's chest disappears completely from one shot to the next. Like when it's when it's when it happens obviously it's right there but then when they go to the two shot of Carrie and Susan in the very next shot it's not there anymore god and then it. when they cut back to the other angle it's back again so it's just you know come on guys god damn it um and Susan tells Carrie they already ordered labs etc when Carrie's like oh we need this this and this and Susan's like we already did that Carrie's feeling a little bit of a little bit redundant in the early part of this episode uh, we then see Carter's mom has brought in a kid from the leukemia center. Abby jumps into the trauma room to let Carter know and says that she's nicer than I remember, which I'm like, have, I don't remember Carter's mom and Abby ever meeting before now. Um, uh, grandpa's funeral. No, the mom wasn't at the funeral. Yeah. I don't was think she ever, I no, she wasn't. I don't think, um, well, no, she was, no, the mom was, but I don't think Abby was. Oh yeah. Abby crashed the funeral. Oh, she crashed Grandpa's the thing funeral. after the funeral. Yeah. The, the like, that's yeah. right. That's when they met. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, 
in any event, the kid that she's brought in here, Mickey, he's the uh, center's child of the year. Uh, she brought him in because he uh, was lightheaded and warm. His doctors weren't available when they called because it's a Saturday. Uh, Mickey's cancer has been in remission for a year. Uh, and also, just because this kid doesn't have enough going on in his life, uh, he's an orphan. Uh, he lives in a group home, they said, with like three or four other yeah. like special needs type Foster kids. family, yeah. Foster kids, yeah. So like he barely knows his foster parents. Uh, so... Uh, and then mom asks if they can get him a private room. And Mickey here is played by actor Colton James, who appeared in stuff like The Lost World, The Cell, and uh, Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me. So he specializes in appearing in underwhelming sequels to 90s movies. Uh, that's pretty much the uh, <laughs> peak of his resume. Hey, I uh, like Austin Powers, too. I prefer three. I'm going to have oh. shitty taste as always, and I prefer three. Although one is obviously the best if we're going to talk about Austin Powers as being decent movies. But yeah. Oh, yeah. But. Number, yeah. The, the first one, I just rewatched the first one like maybe a year, year and a half ago, and like it's still. It holds up. up. Yeah. Now, like, especially now that everybody and their mother is not like going around doing impressions all the time. Like now that the Borat yeah, effect has, has worn off <laughs> I, a little bit. I do need you to know how much of that movie lives rent free in my head, and I don't know how I got away watching it as a like seven year old child. Oh, I, yeah, oh. I love I love that my, movie. My dad loved that movie, and he always had it on. Of it's course a perfect, he did. That... It's a perfect parody of all the James Bond movies and stuff. So like that, I, I'm a hundred percent here for Austin Powers two. It was like, all right, we're getting a little too into the like MTV humor here. Like we're it's we're leaning too heavy on the shit humor, and like it's just, eh. You know, three just I don't know why there's just parts of three that stick out to me again Two I absolutely barely remember, but I honestly can't even tell you the last time I saw the third one. So Uh, sorry in in any event, uh, we go back to the trauma. They're working still working on Donald. Uh, They say he is fluid in Morrison's pouch and some other cavity. So shit's not going great for him at this point. Uh, they need to do an open thoracotomy and defibrillate him. And Chen gets to open the chest. Yay! Ooh. And then Jessica's mom shows up. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Susan gives her an update on the status, and mom goes to check on Donald and sees Chen with her ch- hands in his chest. And we she'll learn she's a medical researcher. And she says, "Like I told him not to worry. I told him it was safe." And the guy flatlines and Mark explains the situation to her in medical terms. And she's like, you can stop. He's gone. Sad. It just goes to show how completely far off the fucking rails we've gone as a society in this day and age. Because like my initial reaction when I was watching the scene, when she says that she's a medical researcher, is I was like, oh, so she was like doing vaccine stuff like that. That was the like immediate thought in my head was that like, oh, you know, this person was targeted because she's a vaccine researcher. No, we weren't quite that far gone as a society in 2002. Uh, It was a little little bit of a simpler time. Uh, But the wife here, Mrs. Brower, she is played by actress Grace Phillips who appeared in stuff like Crimes and Misdemeanors, Murder One, and Quiz Show, which is a just a movie that has no business being as good as it is. And if you want to talk about fucking questionable accent work, watch Ray Fiennes try to do a New England accent for two and a half hours. Like, oh dear. No. He's trying. My man is trying. 
Everyone go watch the menu. It's totally fucked up. I s- uh, what? You watched it without me, and now it has to be on my list of things I'll never <laughs> fucking get to. I'm sorry. It's on the <sighs> Black server. The, so next up, a gentleman comes in. He's blind, and Gallant asks him if he's had someone to help him manage his diabetes because uh, the gentleman has been having pain in his feet, and his nails are... <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of disgusting prop work... Let's hope it was. Yeah, his nails are vastly overgrown. Uh, Gallant offers to clip the nails because he's he's a good boy. Uh, he says someone smells beautiful as Chen walks by. The blind guy does. Yeah. And Carrie asks about the guide dog and pulls Chen away. And that's I. It's a very short audio clip, but it has a really sick burn that I wanted to give the proper context for. Doctor Chen, can I speak with you privately? What do you want? You know, uh, eventually this has to stop. This attitude, this resentment you have towards me. Doesn't. We have to work together. I can't allow patient care to be compromised because you don't like me. I wouldn't let that happen. Good, because the last thing I need is a divisive medical staff. Then maybe you should quit. Damn. Damn, son. I love that. I, I love Chen when she comes back. She's so spicy. But she's such a bitch. She's so cocky. Oh my god. She's spicy. I love it. I got told by my boss that he appreciated my spiciness after I apologized (laughs) for yelling at him on Friday. So spicy gals keep at it. I also want to know, did we mention the dog's name is Stinky? Stinky. Yeah. Because that's that's a, a crucial plot point. He's <laughs> a very good boy. He's the sweetest boy. But yeah, Chen just having none of it. I, I do like that, you know, they're at least being blunt with each other at this point. So, like, they know exactly where they stand. They're not being all passive aggressive and putty, pussy footing, putty footing, pussy footing around it. They're just like, hey, fuck you, fuck you. All right. Great. And before we get too far away from him, I do want to point out that Manny here is played by actor Dana Elkar, who appeared in stuff like The Sting, 2010, The Year We Make Contact, and uh, had a recurring, a very recurring role on the TV series MacGyver. Uh, he has what I believe makes him the high watermark actor of the episode, 180 credits to his name. This is his final credited mm. role in this episode, uh, and he did pass away in 2005, so just a few years after this. I need you to know that my fucked up head right now, you said MacGyver, and my brain went MacGruber because of how much SNL I watched as a child. Well, and just, you know, just generational differences. You're mm-hmm. a couple, you're, a, I mean, even Lizzie and I, we're, a, I think, a little old. Like, I mean, a, a little young for MacGyver. Like, I'm yeah, aware really of it, young. though. My I grew up with using MacGyver as, like, a verb to do. Oh, like, sure. Oh, yeah. you MacGyver it. MacGyver like, this shit. Yeah, like, I know it, but it's just my brain just went MacGruber. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Fuck it. When, when the parody uh, overtakes the original property, that's always mm-hmm. interesting. But then uh, we go over to Mark checking in on Donald's wife as they're prepping Donald's body to be transported. And the police want to talk to her. And she says, I should have told him about the threats. We were trying to create stem cells using DNA. So not stem cell tissue. They were straight up using DNA to do this. And uh, the bomb was meant for her, not for her family. She asks if she can observe Jessica's surgery, to which I put no, 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 no. Stop letting families in for this shit. Oh my god, no. 
I have strong feelings. But then we go back to uh, Gallant and um, the blind gentleman. I feel so bad. Like I, Manny, thank you. I was like, I feel so bad. I didn't put his name anywhere in the notes. But Gallant is clipping Manny's nails. A toenail goes right into Frank's coffee. It is a beautiful (laughs) plunk. And uh, great Foley work, but yeah. And Frank goes, "Damn med students." And uh, I love this exchange. Manny goes, oh, you remind him of his son. To which Gallant responds, I'm black, sir. <laughs> and he, I love Such Manny. He, he goes, oh, well, I can't see. <laughs> Such a great response. It's so good. But then we learn uh, Mickey's friend has the flu and they were doing the photo shoot outside, which can't be good if you already are someone with a potentially low immune system. And Carter bails on this to go see other patients. Like, you can tell he's dissociating so hard from all of this shit with his mom. He wants nothing to do with it. Uh, let's go back. We go back to the green household where we see uh, Lizzie, a very, 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 very gross looking Lizzie Corday getting out of bed, sweat drenched. Ugh. Yeah. Just... They, they do an amazing job of, like, really. It looks so right. Yeah. Yeah. Shit, like, they, looks, they nailed sick. It looks almost exactly how I felt the last few days. Uh, checks on, she goes to check on Rachel and Ella as they play in Rachel's room, listening to Pink, Hell Yeah. Which was more. the style at the time. Okay, my, this song got on all of our road trip albums as a child. This was, like, our shit. Wait, which song was it? Oh, uh, Get the Party Started. Yeah. Ah, yeah, okay. I had a, you know, that like, back in the day when they had, like, the, the novelty dancing hamsters that would do, like, the Caddyshack song and everything. I had yeah. one of these that did get the party started. Just so uh, you know. Excuse me, I believe they're ground. Or, no, no uh, the one I had was a hamster. Gophers. The oh. one I had was a hamster, I think. Of course. Uh, Rachel offers to get Lizzie some tea and just like and she got, Lizzie goes to touch Ella and Rachel's like careful you don't want to get her sick uh, <laughs> Rachel Rachel Susan <laughs> oh boy so then we go back to the ER where uh, Chen is limping down the hallway with Carter and asks why she wore such nonsensical shoes uh, Carrie gives her some shit about her antibiotic protocol and yells about the guide dog that is just now wandering around the ER. Uh, Chen says that Carter better be on her side, and Carter is like kind of given the shrug and is like, you know, like he's like, I don't dislike her in reference to Carrie. Uh, and then Chen says, "You have a thing for older women," and then points hmm. out we get an we get a like not by name, but we do get a, a reference to uh, Abby Keaton from mm-hmm. like season three. Uh, she's from the she void. That, yeah, she says that old that uh, older pediatric surgeon um, was Chen around for that. No, <laughs> no, which makes no sense why that she would uh, have any knowledge of that because Chen was long gone by then. Um, and and also too that like what nine months ago he was dating an eighteen year old like you know yeah he does say he goes both ways he does he does which some people would interpret many different ways uh yes. we sh- we sure do <laughs> oh boy uh and uh mom uh is looking for carter again so uh we then uh, get our next patient coming in leslie miller a victim of a slow speed <sighs> mva ran into some bushes 
boy howdy if this ain't typecasting which we will get into in a second um she was found sitting on the curb with her daughter after the accident her daughter stacy miller is 13 years old and mom has super boozy breath uh which was fun to read um mom here leslie is played well first let's go through the daughter because she's a little less notable but the the daughter here stacy she's played by actress jeanette brocks who appeared in stuff like wilderness survival for girls and multiple episodes of the tv series csi and heroes uh and mom here is played by mackenzie phillips uh who is known for stuff like american graffiti uh so weird the x-files for kids uh that was on the disney channel that we had the daughter from uh few seasons back she was uh one of the girls uh the private school girls that were having the orgies that carol had to have a a whole thing with before carol left uh yeah so the daughter showed up then and then now we've had uh mackenzie phillips who played the mom on that show Uh, and she was also on the tv series one day at a time and this lady's had a real fucked up life if you don't know anything about mackenzie phillips do a fucking Google search, or don't, if you don't want to ruin your day. Um, but Mackenzie Phillips has had a really fucked up life. Um, she has had a lot of problems with substance abuse, which is why I say it's a little bit of like typecasting. Uh, like she has had very publicized battles with both alcohol and drugs. She's overdosed multiple times. Um, she had some really fucked up shit with her dad. Her dad was like a famous sixties musician. Um, I forget the name of the band that he was in. Um, but it's just mamas and the papas mamas and the papas. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, Google at your own risk. If you want to find out the horrible, sad story behind Mackenzie Phillips's, uh, life. Um, I think she's maybe doing a little bit better now. Honestly, don't know, but, uh, I was pretty surprised when she popped up in this episode. I was like, ooh, this is this is like peak time when she was like not doing great. So, oh boy. Oh boy. Well, she's wasted. So, Carter's working on her. And Leslie is very, very clearly wasted. And just like softer hands, honey, to Hale. Hale uh, immediately snaps back, I ain't honey. So good. I love Halei. So much sassy. I love how much Halei we get in this episode. Yes, very much so. Uh, but Leslie's complaining of a broken heart after her fiancé left her after only two, after two weeks. It's like, I wasted two weeks of my life on that man. I love him. And Carter orders, orders a banana bag. Yep. And then Carter goes over to check on Stacy. And they say, oh, we need to get you into a gown. And, like, Carter's in there with Abby. And Abby goes, yeah, you need to get out of here. Clean the house and do your homework. And Stacy's just like, how'd you know? Because latchkey kids, uh, parentified children, can tell each other a mile apart. And um, she has a huge seatbelt bruise going across her chest. And she's like, at least you were smart. But she was driving, not mom. She's been driving her mom around since she was 10 because it's better for a 10-year-old or a 13-year-old to drive than a drunk mom, especially because her mom doesn't have her license either. So, um, yeah. And the, Susan and Abby go out into the hall, and you can tell there are two slightly different upbringings here because um, Susan's like, that's so messed up. Like, she's just a kid, blah, blah, blah. And we know Susan's parents haven't always been the greatest, and she's come from taking care of Chloe, to which Abby says, you know, someone's got to be the adult. 
knowing what we know about Abby's childhood. Is this, I, I honestly can't remember, is this the first time that we've sort of gotten Abby and Susan paired up for any yep. extended length of time? Because yep. that does end up becoming one of my favorite friendships on the show is these two. Yep, so, this is where it starts. Yeah. And then, uh, oh no. Oh God. It begins. Everybody ready? Uh, should, should we do a disclaimer here? We forgot to do it at the beginning of the episode. Do we need to put one in here? About what? Uh, child overdose. <laughs> Oh, children yeah. in peril. <laughs> children in yes, we'll do a children in peril drop at the top of the episode. All right, I'm uh, gonna but... add it to the notes so we don't forget to put it at least in the description. Go ahead, yeah. sorry. Anyway, uh, Cordea wakes up to Ella. I think it goes beyond crying. Yeah, wailing, wailing. Yeah, yeah. wailing. Yeah, uh, because Rachel runs in with her and. Ella's all sweaty and just started crying and she oh no she just threw up and there's a pill fragment in the vomit mm. which yeah good catch by Lizzie that she's just like wait what's this yeah and Rachel immediately bails out of the room as Corday is jugging, uh, juggling Ella and the phone trying to call 911 and Rachel brings a, brings the baggie in and it's ecstasy she had some in her backpack, and Ella either took one or two pills. Rachel is not sure how many were in the baggie to begin with. And we have the question of how feasible is it that a baby got into a backpack and into the plastic baggie? Because we know they'll put anything in their mouths, but so that one, that part isn't the question. But like. But just like when there's 80 other things within grasp that they can play with or mess with, even in a teenager's room. Like, that's all lights and colors and sounds. It just makes me think, like, how determined is the child to get into a backpack and into a plastic baggie that was probably in the bot? I know. it's Unless it, it got, like, knocked over and then the pills spilled out, maybe, I, or something? I don't know. I'm overthinking this just because I'm, like, just, I, it's just a lot. Um, but I'm really, what, I'm, I'm really amazed, sorry, what? No, Thought somebody said something. Anyway, what really amazed me was, in the notes, I put Rachel Bales because I thought she was fucking taken off and going to go hang out with Andrew or something and get out of Dodge. I'm very impressed that she actually comes back with the pills and tells Elizabeth exactly what happened. Well, yeah, she doesn't have any ill will towards Ella. I know, but I'm, I'm sure just... Ella's okay. I'm just saying, based on what we've seen of her so far this season, it could have gone either way. Yeah. I I sort of like what somebody pointed out in one of the listener responses, which, like this scene which i do think is like i think it's ultimately necessary from a storytelling standpoint but it does kind of undercut the um tension of the scene with mark coming up in a bit where mark is told that his daughter is being brought in for an ecstasy overdose Mm, i didn't even put that together like this scene here the fact that we as the audience immediately are told that it's Ella and not Rachel um it does sort of detract from that scene a little bit like it does sort of take away from that so I but I again I, I think you probably need the scene but I I don't know I would have liked to have found a way to keep that tension going see for me it adds to the it adds to that scene in that like you're like oh no he's gonna find out and he's gonna be oh no this is gonna be so bad oh my god oh my god and then he sees and then he sees that it's Ella and yeah 
Yeah, like I said, just, it, it, it it's not that it ruins that that upcoming scene for me. It's just like now that I've now that I know what I've missed out on, like I kind of wish that I could have gotten to, to see that scene play out through Mark's eyes, like genuinely not knowing what he was going to walk into that room to and be having the rug pulled out from under him. Like, I feel like I, I would have liked to have maybe seen that as like a, an alternate cut. But uh, in any event, we go back to uh, Carter and Abby talking about Stacy and Leslie. Uh, Carter's advocating that it's at least child endangerment and that they need to get social services involved. Uh, they do get interrupted and Halle tells Abby that they need to find Mark. So she gets pulled away from that and does make sort of vague mention to Carter on the way by that she'll take care of it. Like, cause that becomes important for later. Like she makes like a, a vague passing mention of like, yeah, I'll handle it. Don't worry about it. Um, but we follow along with Carter who, uh, goes back to check on his mom and Mickey says Mickey's very uncomfortable and needs something to eat. And she's kind of fussing at him that Carter isn't doing anything to take care of him directly. And Carter's like, are you sure you want to be doing this? Like, are you sure you want to stay involved in this? And he's like, there's got to be somebody at this center that can take over for you. And she's like, well, I'm from the center. And, you know, so, yeah. Been here two weeks and she's the boss. Right. Uh, up in the OR, Jessica's mom is watching the surgery with Mark through the window. And she's like nervous of like, is she going to remember her father? And he re relates a story about Rachel breaking her arm and how the only the only thing she remembers from that year is that she had to see Muppets on ice and that they remember the good things she won't forget her father and Romano comes out has finished his part of the surgery and tells her that Jessica will keep some limited use of the hand so I I love when Mark's like she's a doctor Romano goes oh okay right yeah he's like oh good like (laughs) I can speak English to you great right Uh, But Abby comes in to tell Mark that the paramedics are on the way with his daughter. Yes. Doesn't specifically say... They keep the ruse going. Ella. Yeah. Uh, Tells Mark that Halei took the call because Mark is like, is she okay? Like, what's her... What's what's her vitals? Like, what's... What the hell's going on here? And he's... And he jumps out of the elevator to take the stairs and he's just like... Because he thinks it's Rachel... Thinks like I knew this. He's like I knew it. I knew this would. I knew this was happening. I should have trusted my instincts. And Halle, uh screaming when he gets downstairs. Halay screaming that she has the charcoal as they all pile in the trauma room with some very over dramatic slow mo. Like there's a lot of ways you could have chose to do, do this reveal. This is probably bottom tier. Of <laughs> but how you could thank you because it makes this. sense now because I didn't real. I didn't even put it together that he would think it might be Rachel. So the reveal that it's Ella here to him like. Slows everything yeah. down. So thank you for explaining that to me. Well, when you hear your daughter overdose, you generally aren't going to think of the nine-month-old no, baby. No, I'm aware of that. But just in my head, I was so focused on some on other stuff that I was just like, yeah, of course it's just whatever. Well, and you're focused on it because we know. Like, the, as yeah. the audience, we know it's Ella. You know, we, we were just shown it two scenes ago. So, like, obviously, as you're watching it, you're going, yeah, of course it's Ella. But... I, I still sort of agree with that listener where it's like you could have heightened the drama yeah. that much more by doing the full bait and switch and having you think it's Rachel the whole time only to find out that it's Ella. Options. Yeah. But uh, Lizzie updates Mark on what's going on and Lizzie and Mark should not be in this room doing treatment stuff or trying to do direct treatment stuff. Just no, 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 no. Because Abby and Chen can more than handle this. Like, everyone's on top of it, and, yeah, 
Lizzie and Mark are screaming about what needs to be done. Chen tries to keep them calm and tries to follow procedure and then says that, uh, for Abby to go get Weaver. Yep. Oh, and then Carrie asks, oh my God, what's his first name? Because I only Manny. put his last name here. Carrie asks Manny if he's been discharged yet and he's looking for his dog because he's sitting in chairs. And Gallant was actually out with Stinky in the ambulance bay, took him for a walk to do his business. And then Gallant sneezes and drops some dog shit on the floor. Real cool. Great. Great. And Carrie just says, next time use a plastic bag. Great. Cool. Sweet. Whatever. Um... Then Carrie comes into the trauma with Ella after she was called for by Chen and she calls Mark and Lizzie out for being in the room and tries to kick them out, gets them to at least stand back. And she tries to get Lizzie a bed and an IV so she can rest and keep an eye on Ella without passing out. She's like, no, you have a fever and you look like shit. You need to not be sitting right here. Like, please go sit down. She at least, um... She at least has somebody get a stool for Lizzie so she's not, like, gonna fall over and die. Um, Ella's lungs are filled with fluid, and Carrie continues to take charge with Chen to keep... Hold on, let me read that again. Carrie continues to take charge with Chen to keep Mark from making rash decisions. They need to intubate. She points out, Mark, if this was anybody's other... If this was anybody else's kid, you would have intubated already. Yeah. We need to fucking do this. It's one of the few times in the entire show, I think, that we see another person in the room point out the, like, yeah. your your family, you shouldn't be in the room right now. Yeah. Like, you're you're harming the, like, level of care that this, that your child is receiving by the being process. in the room. Yeah. Yep. Um, and Susan and Carter are watching from Admit. They're kind of gossiping about how it happened and, you know, just like, oh can we do anything? And then Rachel shows up and Susan recognizes her because she's known her since she was little. So when she was a completely different child. Yep. hundred percent. But so that's, we just leave off with Rachel showing up, walking into the hospital. All right. And we're going to go to our last pair of audio clips here. Uh, First one is mama Carter comes down to bug Carter about Mickey. John. Mickey's been upstairs for an hour and he still hasn't been seen by a doctor. Yeah, that's not uncommon. Well, it's unacceptable. I was just going to get some coffee. Do you want some? Yes, I'd love some. I was hoping you could tell me what all this means. He stole his lamp slips. Yes. I heard that they were back, but no one gave us the results. What is it? He's uh, in blast crisis. He's had a recurrence. His bone marrow is full of leukemia cells, and he's not going to be able to fight infection. Is there something we can do? Sure, they're giving him antibiotics. The oncologists don't know exactly what to do. Yes, of course, but he's just a number to them. Maybe if, if you spoke to the doctors, they'd take him more personally. Why are you doing this? I mean, you've been here all day. You've been holding his hand, clipping his chart, bugging the staff. I'm trying to help a sick child. Mom, he has leukemia. I know that. And he may not survive. Look, if you've got some kind of twisted need to relive this, that's fine. I'm not going to do it again. I made my peace a long time ago. I mean, go him for calling her out and being like, hey, if you want to do this, that's on you, but I'm not about to go through it. Yeah. Like, 
like thanks for your He's com- right. Thanks for your come to Jesus moment after what happened the other day, but I'm done. Super fun times. I just, I just hate the storyline. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't I don't hate the storyline. Um I like I said either last episode or two episodes ago, whatever it is, like um, I think that she is a great foil for Carter, and I think she brings out an excellent perf- level of performance in Noel Wiley. I do sort of feel like the their involvement in this episode is the weak link of this episode. Like, I, I feel yes, like overall so. this is a strong episode, a much, much stronger episode than we got last week. Last week's episode was a disaster, oh, yeah. and this pretty low bar. This, yeah, but... this week's episode is a is a pretty. A pretty strong recovery from all of that with the caveat of like I could kind of take or leave the Carter and his mom stuff like the Carter and his mom stuff is pretty meaningless in this episode and I feel like you could have devoted more time to other things and been better off for it Fair. I just feel like it, like at least once in the entire storyline I should get some of the audio from it oh sure yeah yeah because yeah. yeah I looked I, I went and looked it up we have one more appearance of Carter's mom like we are almost done with Carter's mom. And then our next one, uh, Ella has been intubated. Uh, well, Ella has been intubated and Carrie gives Mark and Lizzie updates on her condition. Let's pull the two back five millimeters. Are you in the main stem? At the crider. You should be in bed. Heart rate's down to 100, pulse ox is 99. When can we extubate? They'll probably keep her sedated in the PICU, rest her overnight in the vent, and extubate her first thing in the morning. Mark, we need them to get a roll away in the room. I'm staying the night. Elizabeth, you're sick. Well, you're not leaving, are you? No. Mark? I found her wandering the hallway. Dad? Rachel, where have you been? I was just waiting outside. Is she okay? She look okay? I'm sorry. You're sorry? Mark. Stay out of this. You bring drugs into our house and leave them out for a baby? It wasn't mine. Stop lying. They're not. Uh, they were just for a party and I wasn't even sure I was going to take them. Well, your sister did. But she's going to be okay though, right? It was just one pill. Are you really that stupid? Ella is nine months old. She almost died. Dad, don't... Don't what? What? Don't call you a liar? Because that's what you are, Rachel. You promised me you weren't doing drugs. She can have long-term brain damage, learning disabilities, low IQ, memory impairment. She could still die. Oh, Dad, please. Please, Dad. I'm sorry. Dad, I'm... Dad, I'm sorry. This is one of my favorite mark moments it's yeah it's very uh it's it kind of shows you what he's capable of like the like yeah. anthony edwards like he can really like because it's pretty rare i would say that we get to see him truly angry on the show yeah i think the, i can't even remember the last time we did well pr- last time i think like, was probably when he was doing busy doing a racism like way back when like <laughs> But like he, t- he didn't talk like this though. He wouldn't. Eh, when he pulled out those the gun on those kids on the L, that was pretty. <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah. Something I blocked out. <laughs> yeah, that was uh that was kind of angry, Mark. But this like this is definitely like one of the first times or one of the only times really that you you see him like that kind of seething anger. Just ah, uh, 
just the way he says she could still die just and then and then when he like reels it back in as she like turns back into his daughter like because in that moment he's like fully like just browbeating her as like he's mad at her as a person not as his daughter and like then when she like starts to cry and like does the whole deal like he just like he like puts the puts the tiger back in the cage and like it's just it's a really really excellent moment like overall i mean i it's not like i've it's not like it's been perfect but i have i have been pleasantly surprised or or, or happy with the way that they have built up the rachel mark dynamic this season without overdoing it like they have done just enough uh legwork to kind of get you there so that when we get to those heavy episodes at the end of the season you don't feel like it comes out of left field so like i'm i'm very pleasantly surprised with that uh but we go from there back up to uh the peds ward where lizzie's up there with ella and a wild dr babcock shows up i'm sorry excuse me mr carrie weaver uh shows up and uh lizzie flips her shit and insists that she wants someone else and like basically beats him out of the room uh and romano shows up and gets them to uh, grab another doctor for her and speaking of you know watching mark get angry and that being a an excellent performance moment i really liked watching lizzie flip her shit here and go full like mama bear mode and kick babcock out of the room like that was also another sign of lizzie we don't really get yeah, to see very often exactly there's a lot of little uh little things in this episode with lizzie that like i i really enjoy just from a performance standpoint uh, i just i always enjoy when romano has her back yeah yeah and this is a, somebody else pointed that out too that this is another really you know excellent kind of understated moment of of she she kind of relaxes a little bit when he comes in and kind of mm-hmm. takes charge and everything like it's it is an excellent moment for that i think i think this is one of the like few kind of humanizing romano episodes while he's not doing any grandiose gestures mm-hmm. there are several moments in this episode where you can tell he's looking out for them yeah yeah uh, and then we back down in the ER, we see Mark uh, giving Carrie the update on how Ella is doing. She offers her prayers and he thanks her, which is also kind of a nice I don't think I don't know if it's intentionally this way, but it's a nice kind of like closing of the loop of the whole uh, Carrie sending Mark for competency testing stuff and him being kind of a dick to her. Like he kind of like closes the book on that, I feel, in this moment. Yeah. Also, thank you <laughs> for reminding me. Um this was during this episode i just kept thinking like when did we like back um backpedal so hard into everybody hates carrie again because i thought for a while like she was kind of good with everybody and then all of a sudden this season it just seems like everybody's pissed at her again did i miss something or am i just like selectively remembering what's been going on i mean the the pager thing did her didn't really okay that's right yep that's fair but i just feel like in general everybody's just been very anti-carry like the snide remarks are back about her like when she's not in the when she's not there and just i don't know didn't do her any favors that's for sure it just feels very much like we're back in season three yeah uh we then see uh abby headed out for the day and she says if i hang around here much longer i'm gonna start to cry uh which 
Big, big at work mood. Let me tell you. Uh, Stacy shows back up to say thanks. Her mom uh, was arrested for a DUI and she can post bail in a couple of hours. Uh, she made an appointment with a treatment center. And uh, it's clear here that Abby covered for her. They lied and said mom was driving, not her, when they talked to the police. And Carter is just like, like he's. I was like, no, we didn't. You must have heard wrong. Right. And uh, as she's on her way out, Abby sees Gallant's patient still in chairs, uh, dead with his dog resting on his knee. And very sad. But it is kind of a, a funny little beat where she like calls Gallant over and she's like, hey, hey come here. Your dude's dead. He's dead. Yeah. Uh, then we go to Lizzie is asleep with her head on Ella's little bed and her arm over Ella. And Mark comes up to let her know Rachel is here and wants to talk to her. And cold as ice, she just says, I can't. I can't. Just no. Just, yeah, that's real. Justified. Mm. So Mark uh, steps out and tells rachel to go let's go get some food just give give lizzie more time uh but then we go to susan and romano are talking about ella and they're like oh and romano says we should order dinner for them so they don't have to leave like we'll just order dinner in and they can eat here and not worry about it yeah and carrie heads out for the day sees gallant running after stinky (laughs) animal control is coming for him and carrie tells him to get inside and take an antihistamine and the, <laughs> and stinky little old stinky just starts like starts like pawing at uh <laughs> pawing at her and he's she's like i don't like dogs and i don't like your name and she she winds up it's like no carrie you have a new dog yeah congratulations and Carrie takes a moment and she says to him, you better be housebroken because if you're not, you're going right back to the pound. And this is where the episode should end. I feel like if it was any other episode, I feel like it probably would end there. But I feel like they do, like, to to drive home the gravity of the situation, they do need to kind of end where they do. But um, in any any other middle of the season episode, I feel like that would have been a perfectly, just it would have been a perfectly good place to end it. I think there's two episodes, two scenes here after this they could have cut out. There's one other scene that I see, yes, totally keep it in, but two of these follow. The next two scenes I think we could have just shoved into the next one or yep. put earlier in the episode. Yeah, I don't understand why the next episode doesn't start with the next scene. Right? I don't I don't yeah. understand why. Because it doesn't make sense in yeah, this episode at it, all. It really does. And to the point where I had forgotten she existed. Like, yep. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a thing that's happening right now. Like, completely forgot. Oh yeah! Also, Take it away. Do they, do they keep? Does Carrie keep the dog for any length of time, or is I was wondering I that. Don't like, remember. does she just have Stinky? Is this just another thing like Mark's dog from like season two or three, whenever that oh, was? Yeah. That like he got for Rachel that just stuck around for a little while and then apparated into the shadow realm. Um, but yeah, so we go to the next scene, which again could absolutely just be this opening scene to the next episode because we see Joyce knocking on Abby's door begging to be let in Uh, Abby lets her in she locks the doors and insists that they turn out all the lights and you can hear Brian her husband screaming and pounding at the door Uh, Abby wants to call the cops and she says no it'll just make it worse he just needs to calm down and Abby says that she can stay for a while I hate where this goes and I think that is next episode maybe or 
yeah i think it is i think it's next episode is is when the the escalation occurs here um and then uh carter then goes up to peds oncology to check on mom and mickey she's asleep next to his bed carter asks uh if they've been treating him okay mickey says that they haven't told him anything mostly carter's mom and carter tells him the truth about what's happening with him and says i don't think it'll be as bad this time i was by myself before and if i had like you know this this kid feels like he's in third place in his own storyline like th- this kid we we're given no time and no like this kid doesn't matter really like he's he's not germane to the story because the story is really about carter and his mom and and then carter and his mom as a story is like third or fourth place in this episode so like it just feels like i'm totally on board with what you were saying lauren like this is a scene that i think you just could have cut i don't think you really needed it i don't think you really needed it as a follow-up to what happened in the last scene with carter and his mom so it's just you know i think him saying if you want if you want to relive this that's fine but i'm not doing it you know like i think that was a perfect place to just cut that off like you i you think you again this is something edit, editing room floor they could have either moved it earlier in the episode or cut it and abby's thing like you said should have just been the beginning of next episode yeah there's a, a very strange strange little sequence here at the end and they do this a lot I, and i i feel like i feel like it's always like an editing thing of like they give themselves multiple options for where they could end an episode depending on what kind of feeling they want to leave the viewer with to go home with but rarely do do they feel so disjointed as they do in this episode like it's you can really kind of see the strings in the last few scenes of this episode where it's like none of these scenes really belong in the same episode rachel is now sobbing in the hall down in the er by herself uh lizzie is upstairs crying and watching ella with mark and she says she looks asleep but she's not mark offers to take over for a while and kind of keeping watch and lizzie says you know she may never open her eyes again and mark goes you know it'll be okay it'll be okay and lizzie says you don't know that you can't know that and they then cry together when mark admits he doesn't know if things will be okay oof just like just lie to her Bleak. she's in no position to be lied to right now she would tell him to fuck off that's kind of that's also fair bleak my dudes but i'm not lying when i say this episode is an 8.5 yeah yeah i think it it it's just the stuff with ella is done perfectly mm-hmm. i mean outside like say what you will about the way that they reveal it to mark but I think it's done really well. I like the way they did it. Just a personal mm-hmm. app, come at me. No, I, th- um, I think it's great. I think it's just, I, I'm going to change mine to an eight because I think some of the other loosey-goosey stuff. Uh, yeah, the stuff with Carter's mom is just sort of a big nothing falls, burger. Falls flat. Especially since we only have, yeah, especially since we only have one more episode with her. It's like, where, what is the point of this? What what is the what's point your what plan? Is, what is this adding to Carter as a character? Yeah, and obviously the Joyce stuff just does not belong here whatsoever. Yeah, that's the thing that really sticks out like a sore thumb to me. Like the Carter stuff is like very like you said, kind of a nothing burger and and really doesn't add much to the episode. But I'm not offended by its inclusion. Whereas the Joyce thing, it's like, wait a minute, like we weren't talking about this, we weren't thinking yeah. about it. Like this episode didn't need any more drama. So, like, I just, yeah. it just feels tacked on and superfluous. And I feel like that visual, because the shot is very nice, and I feel like the visual of 
Abby's door and then her just bursting into frame, beating on it kind of in a panic, I feel like is an excellent way to open an episode. Like, I feel like that's an yeah. amazing way to, to kick off an episode. So I feel like just punt that, punt that to next week and like, you know, do that there. We didn't need to follow up on that every single episode in that same stretch. So give that a week to breathe. Um, and even yeah. the, like on paper, I would say that the gallant stuff would feel silly. Um, but they do actually find a way to make that really charming and, and work. Yeah. I like, I like the, I like mostly because I love Stanky. Yeah, but, but just like on paper in an episode like this, that feels like it might come off a little bit odd or, or misplaced. And I, I just want to make sure we give them credit for finding a way to integrate that kind of organically and make it make it not seem so out of place. So I feel like they really did yeah. that well. But I feel like eight, eight it's and a half per- is the perfect 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 yeah. rating for it. The perfect amount of levity though from the Golan stuff. But Lauren, what do the listeners have to say about it? Oh, we start with uh, Megan M says the moment when Mark is told his daughter is being brought in for an ecstasy overdose and realizes it's Ella. So well done. Alex Kingston did an amazing job throughout this storyline and boy, did they really nail making her look sick and exhausted. Yeah. A a glimpse into the weird and wonderful world of Romano, the polar bear club. There are some deleted scenes floating around featuring a ridiculous American flag speedo. Also, is it just me or does Susan have more chemistry with him than with Carter? I agree on all of these things. And after we're done recording, I'm going to go try and find that (laughs) fucking deleted scene because I didn't know it was something I needed in my life, but I'm going to go laugh at it. Uh, Guys, um, do I like Romano? Do do I have like some Romano thirst going on that I'm finding out about? I don't like this. Incoming Romano MVP nomination. It's, it's, you know, whatever. At the, I'll at the rate uh, we're going, like, she's going to nominate Stinky for season MVP. Like, she's, <laughs> that, that feels exactly the right level of Lauren Chaos. Daniel, thank you for boy. the idea. That, that also, you just re- brought that, it upon yourself. That also requires you to remember who Stinky is until the end of the season. I don't have a pen and paper near me. You're right. It's gone. Uh, I got the shitty kids list here. We can put a, the best dogs, the best dogs list. And just, <laughs> just stinky. Just stinky. Um, but Steve A says, I love the episode. And as mentioned above, the scene where Mark finds out about Ella is incredibly well performed, acted, scored, and directed. However, it's all completely undone by the fact that we as an audience already knew. If they had left out the scene with Elizabeth and Rachel, I think the moment would have had a greater impact. All right. Uh, Franner W says, I can vividly remember watching this whilst sitting on my bed, propped up by pillows, breastfeeding my eldest daughter, tears running down my face and being absolutely traumatized. Ooh, rough type. Bad time. The scene where Ella is on the hospital bed, the sound in this is excellent. It is so overwhelming. The crying, the monitors, the voices makes it feel 100% authentic. I was overwhelmed by it and for Elizabeth too. I could feel everything she was feeling superb. And Aline, I'm going to hope it's Aline. I apologize if it's not. Aline M says... Great episode. I like how they made Elizabeth look sick. She had every right to be furious at Rachel, although I did actually feel sorry for Rachel. I mean, a baby stealing ecstasy from your backpack? Of course she didn't think that could happen. I'll ignore the fact that maybe she shouldn't possess those pills at all. I guess Babcock now being critical care attending is supposed to be the conclusion of the post-op's death storyline. I actually like that some storylines are left a little vague. We also have one more appearance of him as well. 
Uh, so we are almost to the end with uh, Mr. Carrie Weaver. Neat. All right. Well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. Two-week early access to any future cast and crew interviews and over 65 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free-form monthly bonus show called The Lounge, and movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, and we are at Podcast on Instagram. Musk's hell site. Anyway, uh... Also, be sure to check out the official Saying the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my Instagram at lobo92345, posting sad pictures of the climbs I've managed to complete. Nice. I'm still on Elon Musk's Wild Ride. You can find me on Twitter. I am at RandomGamer. That's G-A-M-3-R. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time. Have a great week. Bye.